I don't know if that's a special music but during the offering or not. I like it. <laughs> Let these guys get through here for a second. Michelle, thank you. That was my wife. I think I was just closing prayer. That was great. I think your uh, offering was longer than my talk here. So. <laughs> I, I have a sports background. And uh, one of my friends, Christian Okoya. Christian Okoya is, uh, w- was the first African player to play in the NFL. And he's a beautiful guy, handsome. Man, look at that. I mean, I never had that kind of pump that was just defined to try it. And he, not only that, he was just humble and just a sweet-spirited guy. And uh, from uh, Nigeria, the Igbo tribe, wonderful man, still a great friend. And one time he said to me, he said, Kahneman, hey man, he had that great pitch in English. Hey man, hey, you white people, you are funny, man. <laughs> look at my skin. Look at my skin. My skin is black and your skin is white. My skin is black and your skin is white. I'm thinking, yeah, I've been in the locker room with you. I kind of... Yeah, I thought, yeah, it's black. <laughs> I said, my skin is black and your skin is white. But kind of on. When I'm sick, I'm black. When I'm cold, I'm black. When I'm scared, I'm black. And when I'm hot, I'm black. And you, man, when you're sick, you're green. When you're cold, you're blue. When you're scared, you're yellow. And when you're hot, you're red. And you call me colored. Come on, man. I don't know about you, but sometimes we look at Jesus Christ through rose-colored glasses and don't really examine who he is. And this is what this series is about, is to take step-by-step different examples of who is this Jesus Christ and to examine him in several different ways. Now, just by review, Nate talked about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Second one, Jesus and prayer, John. And John went on to say, Jesus and obedience. And then today, the focus of Jesus and his relationship and who he is with the word of God. Jesus, the word. Now, I I, I think if the Bible is a summit, a, a range of mountains, the top of the summit has to be John chapter one, one through four. The economy of words, what Christ can say, but in the beginning is the word. And the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That life was the light of all mankind. The economy of word and the significance of it. I worked with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and other sports ministries. There was a big meeting we had, big meeting, and the board meeting guys, global board meeting guys, all flew together. And one guy from Texas had the cowboy hat, had the boots, and we were trying to make a big decision, global decision. And he says, this what he says, he says, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And then another board meeting said, he stood up and said, the Bible says it, And that settles it. It don't matter if you believe it or not. (laughs) It is the word of God. It is the word. And here we see Jesus in the beginning. Doesn't that harken back to just to Genesis right there? John trying to bring the whole thing together. In the beginning. Here we have in the beginning was the word. Jesus. It was there. Next thing is, is that Jesus is eternal. He was there before. He's there after. All of us pastors, we always have the greatest dilemma. 
You, you know, it, it's this dilemma. Here we are, finite languages, finite minds. We have eternity in our soul, and that's where we resonate. But we're trying to explain eternal, infinite things with finite words. That's why Jesus gave us illustration to understand, to compare, to relate, to put into context. But the best I can do in my preaching is, 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 let's say we're doing some great Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, and the best I can do is a whistle. Because it's infinite, this God. And all we have is these finite words. But he gives us the Holy Spirit to work through it. Jesus is eternal. Next, and I wish I had a whole, whole series to preach on this, but he was pre-existent. He was there before. He was there before creation. He was there before time. Time is nothing to him because he is the creator of time, and he designed it. Time, he was preexistent. And, of course, he was incarnate. We'll focus a little bit more on this. Do you guys remember J. Vernon McGee? He was a radio guy, had that great Oklahoma accent, and he was a radio preacher. He had a really great old-fashioned accent. And I remember one time I'm driving out to California, really scared. Was my car going to make it there? I was a student in college, and I'm driving out there. And I heard him, and I had this piece. And I remember he talked about, he said, boy, I don't really like ants, but I don't mind them. I just don't want them in my house. I don't want the ants in my house. So, so what, what, what did he do? He, he went on to say, I, I wish I could just tell them to go. I just wish I could tell the ants to go. In fact, I wish I would become an ant and say, hey, fellas, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here or we're going to get smashed. And then he went on and said, well, then I recalled that Jesus, God, came down and became a human. Do you know what an incredibly low step that had to been for the creator of the universe to come down and become a human being and hang out with us and direct us saying, go this way, follow me, follow me. He is incarnate. I had a coach once, we're at halftime, we're losing. He pulls us together and he's going to do the pep talk. You know, the magical pep talk, you see it in the movies. They get them together and they get it. So he pulls us together and he gives us the pep talk. He says, fellas, what you see and believe you can achieve. Now say it. And we're like, what we say and believe we can achieve. He said, no, 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 say it like you mean it. We, what we see and believe you can achieve. He said, say it, baby, say it. What you, and he gets on the table, he said, say it. What you believe, see and believe you can achieve. Say it again, what you see and believe you can achieve. We get all excited, we ran out there, and we lost. <laughs> <laughs> all he gave us was slogans. He never gave us anything to really see. So therefore, we didn't believe, <laughs> and we certainly didn't achieve. God gave us the Old Testament, he gave us the Ten Commandments. He gave us Moses, and he gave us the prophets, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us manna from heaven. And then he gave us his son so that we could see and believe and therefore achieve. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, 
human form here for all of us. Scripture's a blueprint. Any great coach, what he has his new team is going to say, who are we? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? Who are we? Where are we going as a church? How are we going to get there? Scripture's the blueprint. Shows us the way to do it. And the last thing right there in John 1 through 4, Jesus, or the, John says it's, Jesus is a culmination of the sin plan for salvation. He culminates the whole plan that we looked in the future. Remember Abraham? Remember Abraham? Oh, he wanted a son. He wanted a son. And finally, miraculously, when nobody else thought he could have a son, God gave him a son. He had it. And then what did he say? Sacrifice your son, Isaac. Remember, they're going up the mountain. They're going up the mountain, and Isaac's carrying wood. And as they're going up the mountain, he looks to his dad and says, but where is the sacrifice? Where is that sacrifice? And of course, it's a famous line, but we all know what he said. God will provide. God will provide. And 2,000 years later, we see Jesus going up Golgotha carrying wood. The ultimate sacrifice, the culmination. They killed sacrifices. Maybe it was a bull, maybe it was some wheat. They would kill this. They knew that that didn't cleanse us of our sin, but there would be an ultimate sacrifice, and that that was by faith. And now we look on the other side of the cross, and we see that it was Christ by faith, that he died for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. It's as if Jesus reaches over to God and reaches across the span of sin and says, take it, take my hand. The culmination of the sin plan met out in Jesus Christ. In John 8, 28, it says, I do nothing. Jesus saying this, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Let me read that again. I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. You've heard this before. You've been, you've, someone's asked you this. Well, isn't there something? Is God that powerful? Is there anything that God cannot do? It's a sophomore kind of question about God. It usually is a smokescreen from a moral thing where someone doesn't want to do, so they throw that up there. Is there anything God cannot do? And the answer is yes, you're right. He cannot do everything. He cannot live contrary to the nature of who he is. Therefore, from Titus, it says that he cannot lie. He cannot sin because he's holy. He cannot merely overlook sin because he's just. That's bad news. He cannot overlook sin because he's just and he's holy. But then the good news, the gospel. But he did provide a way of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So, so in that, we see Jesus' obedience to God. He can never be disobedient. He can't be contrary to his nature because Jesus is God. And he says, I do nothing on my own. What an example that is for me. You know, as you preach this, and as a speaker, you always learn something new. This is what touched me. 
This is what really, I, I had never really seen this before. You know, almost a throwaway line for me, but he says, I always do what pleases him. I, I, I've been around coaches all my life. And you know, something about a coach, some of these guys, you can never win. You can never please. You know, you just try, oh, one more, one more, one more. Okay, that's pretty good. That was great. No, that was great. No, no, they, they, somehow they think that that'll make you want to be, give you more drive. And in the end, it just, part of you wants to say, the heck with it. You ever had a father that was that way? You just couldn't please? Maybe it was an authority figure in your life. Have you ever started modeling that in your own life for the people, maybe your children? Maybe my dad, I couldn't please. So I, I remember my, my wife, uh, Haley, she's here. She's a missionary in Haiti. Uh, one time she had these, uh, a gift for me, for present. And she brought the present up to me. It was these antique boxing gloves. They're really cool. And she said, brought these up to me. Here, Dad, here you go. And I'm like, oh, hey, thanks. Hey, cool, yeah. And, and Michelle came up afterwards. And, and, oh, it hurt. It hurts when you get confronted. She busted my chops. She said, didn't you appreciate that? D didn't you? I'm like, you didn't really show much pleasure in that. I'm like, oh, man, I I'm sorry. I screwed up. I mean, for the last 20 years, I was telling Haley, isn't that the greatest box of gloves? I love these so much. I'm trying to make up for it. Oh, isn't it a problem that we call God our father? And sometimes we project the fatherly things that are good and the fatherly things that are bad onto God. But it's wrong. We can please God. Oh, and it brings him such joy. I, I was a chaplain for a year at IU football, and I wish, I, I tell them this all the time. I said, I wish I had a pair of glasses. It's actually called the word of God. I wish I had a pair of glasses. So when I put these glasses on you, I put these glasses on you, you could see the way your father sees you. You put these glasses on, he's going, oh, there's my man. Oh, I love him. Oh, do you know how much pleasure you bring to me? There's my woman. Do you know how much pleasure you give me? And yeah, there's the other side of that too. It's like, ah, oh, that doesn't please me. But do you know how much we can please? What a joy it is for Jesus to please his father. That, that we can please the father of heaven. His nature, pleasing him. Haley. Third scripture, Matthew 7, 24 to 29. Therefore, everyone who hears the word of God, hears that word of mine and puts it into practice is like, actually, I like the word puts it into action. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Therefore, everyone who hears the, these words of mine and puts them into practice or action. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's interesting, I ask people all the time, what's a wise man? They'll say, built your house on the rock. No, 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 a wise man is somebody that will take God's word and put it into action, like someone that's built their house on the rock, like someone that's built their house on the rock. We're supposed to take God's word and put it into action. The last part of that, John 8, 31, 32, it says, if you abide in me, and you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I, I, 
I heard this the other day by a friend of mine that's in the East. I work with a lot of people around the world. And he said, you Westerners, you, you learn the Bible so that you can obey. We think differently. We obey so that we can learn about God. We obey so that we can learn. You learn so you obey. We obey that we can learn. And isn't it an interesting where Jesus says, and you will know the truth if you abide in me, and the truth will set you free. There's a little boy Grown up, grown up in a very wealthy household. The household was Christian. He heard the word of God all his life, but it never integrated into his life, into his heart. Heard it all his life, heard it all his life. Little boy was kidnapped. 16 years old, he was taken away. Take away of the household, and he was enslaved for six years. He was an arrogant little boy, a little bit of a brat at the time, you would have said. But now he's stripped of everything that he thought was important, stripped away, stripped away, stripped away. But the word of God that his mother had spoke to him, probably saying to him back then, worked in his heart. We don't know what it was, but don't you think it was that, that, that great verse? The truth will set you free as he died for freedom every single day. He allowed the word of God to flow through his life. And finally, he shed that pride, that arrogance, and he cried. And he said, God, come into my life. And he said he was transformed. Six years into slavery, he was able to be free. He got that freedom. And he went out. And, and he committed his life to God. And he became a pastor. And he built a great big church. And a lot of people were coming to Christ. But he kept thinking back to the people that had enslaved him. He, he wanted to go back because they had not the word of God. So finally, as a relatively older man, he went back. Tradition has it that the man that enslaved him was so scared that he took his own life. But he went back into Ireland, and he transformed it to the word of God, which used to be paganism. And of course, that guy's name was Patrick, and we celebrate his death today every year. And I realized I forgot to wear green. Sorry about that. St. Patrick, the word of God, allowing him to come in. You guys, I, I was at Oxford University in England for nine years with Michelle. We started a sports ministry there. And, and, and I was the dumbest guy in the room. You, you know, I mean, this is world-class brains. And I remember going in for the first time, and I'm preaching. And as I'm preaching, I'm so scared and so self-conscious going, I'm a football player, what do I, you know, these academics here are just so smart, and what am I going to say, and i got to impress them, I'm, I'm really scared, and, and it was one of those very few times, I don't get this very often, but it was like God punched me in the gut and said, are you trying to impress them with you, or are you trying to impress them with me? See, you have the truth. They may be really smart, but they don't have the truth. We have the truth, and the truth will set them free. I remember as I'd go around and you'd argue you know, apologetics with these great minds. But all you had to say was, who's the most influential man in the world? I mean, and we're not talking about the Son of God. and that. Don't take away John 1 to 4. Who's the most influential? They have to say. They're going to say Gandhi. They're going to say Mandela. They may say Abraham Lincoln. No, no. Who's the most influential man in the world? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So, so, so what was the greatest speech that Jesus ever gave. And they have to admit that it was the Sermon on the Mount. 
Anybody that gives a speech knows that there's three parts of a speech. You got the takeoff, you got the fly around, and you got the landing, and you got to nail that landing. You ever see someone that really isn't really good? They, they come up here, they fly around, then they fly around again, <laughs> and they fly around again, and they run out of gas, <laughs> crash. So, so I'm, I'm looking at the greatest speech maker in the world, and this is the Sermon on the Mount, and he talks about the Beatitudes, he talks about how to pray, he talks about how to live life as Christ would live life. And right at the end, what's Jesus' conclusion? What did he say? What was the greatest conclusion of all time? Matthew 7. He said, a wise man will take my words, five, six, seven, three chapters, will take my words and put them into action. <laughs> you, you know, the, the church isn't so great at that. Uh, uh, one preacher calls them Bible fatheads. Well, we know all, all this stuff. Francis Chan, he's got this great story. He said, he said, ah, oh, boy. It, 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 Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. What, what did Jesus also say? A wise man will hear my words and put them into action. The word of God into action, not just... He said, I, 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 Francis Chan said, I, I told my daughter, go and clean your room. He went back the next day and said, did, did, did you clean your room? You know, did you clean your room? And she said, oh, Dad, that was a great message on cleaning my room. I said, but did you clean it? Oh, I'm praying about cleaning my room. <laughs> he goes back to the next day, did you, did, you, did you clean your room? Oh, I've got a group of four people and we're praying together in a small group on how to clean your room. Finally, he goes third day. Oh, we're drawing a diagram. And you know what? I can say, go clean my room in Greek. <laughs> we're a bunch of Bible fatheads. We know it here, but we don't do it. Jesus said, a wise man will take my words and put them into action. Take those words and put them into action. In closing, I, we were in England, and you know, you want to be culturally significant, culturally fine, and I remember the first day there, we, uh, we had our coaches. I was coaching the, the, the team at Oxford, and uh, my coaching staff came over, and Michelle was making tea, but we don't know how to make tea because we're Americans. And, and uh, she brought herbal tea, and then she put milk and sugar, and you, you see these coaches, they're really polite, man. They're trying to drink it, and you see the pain on their I loved it. It was so funny. Just, they're just drinking, oh, man, this is terrible. But we got to be polite because he's the head coach. <laughs> they're kind of drinking this tea. So we, we want to be significant, you know, culturally significant. So finally, I went up to this, uh, this old lady, Michelle and I. We said, okay, how do you make tea? How do you make tea? Oh, she was so excited. She pulled that 100-year-old teapot off the shelf, Ivy Dixon, and she put it down here, and then she poured hot water into the tea. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, now you put, no, 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 no. Then you pour that out of the tea, because that's just to heat the teapot. And then she puts in this loose-leaf tea like it was some ritual. And I'm thinking, how do you get that tea out of the water? And then she had this beautiful 100-year-old silver strainer. And I said, okay, no. She slapped my not yet. It's got to seep. And finally the time came, finally the time came, the magical, she puts a little milk in the teacup and then she pours that tea in there and it makes this beautiful cup of tea. Isn't it interesting? That water took on the aroma, the color, and the flavor of tea. And when we allow the word of God to come in our heart and then we do our best to, obe to be obedient we take on the color 
the aroma and flavor of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. C.S. Lewis said, we're not supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to be little Jesuses, transformed, taking those concepts and turning it into action. And we take on the aroma, the color, and the flavor of Jesus Christ. The Word of God. If I can challenge you just one thing this week. If you really, really want to grow, if you really want to grow, no excuses. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to read it every single day. You know why I get up early to read my Bible? It's not because I'm a good guy. It's because I'm such a jerk. I'm a black-hearted guy, and I need the Word of God to keep me straight over and over and over. Allow God to speak to you. Meet with Him. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's at lunch break. Maybe it's at night. The Word of God. Jesus making his way through your life. Pray with me. Our gracious and heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the men and women in here. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to know you and that you've given us your word incarnate. May we live in that. May we know it. And may your word pour out into our lives, into action. May we be wise men and women for you, turning your word into action. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.